Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, everyone. This is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. And on this week's episode, we're talking about your 4 and 24 Oof, Detroit Pistons. Ben Gulker and I talk about the Pistons' 14-game losing streak, which may be more by the time you listen to this, the trade market for an injured Jeremy Grant, and the hopeful return of Sadiq Bey's jumper. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, we're both just kind of just parenting dads right now, man. How are you doing? (laughs) Doing good, Laz. Um, As long as I'm not thinking about the Pistons and all this losing, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. Is the the losing is a non welcome. a diversion from all the logistical stuff we have to do to figure out how to get from North Carolina to Michigan with a four month old. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the losing, let's talk about the losing. Uh, Let's open with the losing so we can get it out of the way. The losing streak is at 14 games and counting. Ben, the team was supposed to be bad this year, but not like 14 game losing streak bad. It's starting to get really dispiriting. It's starting to get like less and less fun to even like watch the games. I don't, maybe that's just me though. Is is the losing getting to you like it's getting to me, Ben? Yeah, man, it really is. Um, yeah, they were supposed to be bad, like you said. We expected some losing. Both of us, I think, expected that, so we were prepared for it. But look, I mean, Kelly Olynyk and Jeremy Grant both being out due to injury has obviously hurt a lot. They were bad even with both of those guys. Uh, and it, it sort of hits the first and second units equally, right? Those are key rotation cogs for for both the first and second unit and unfortunately the young guys just haven't been enough and we've been losing a lot and uh yeah man it hasn't been fun i really have not enjoyed the last week of basketball very much at all and uh boy they really really need a win yeah it it's starting to look like me like they no longer expect to win yeah uh, at all at any point like during a game even when they're even when they are currently winning 
right? It doesn't look like they, they expect to win games. Um, you see, and like it's a collective thing, right? Like you see individual efforts from individual guys on individual nights, right? Like we're going to talk about like Sadiq had like a good week, right? Frank Jackson has been like pretty steady coming off the bench. But like other than that, like, you know, one night Killian has 10 assists. One night he has like, you know, one assist in 30 minutes, right? Like one night, uh, you know, one night Rodney Magruder is coming off the bench. One night Josh Jackson's coming off the bench. Like one night, like the team needs the Luca Garza like shot in the arm to make a game like look closer than it actually is. It's just this doesn't look good from a from like a team perspective. And like this is the one thing that like Dwayne Casey is supposed to be good at, right? Is he supposed to be able to get these teams to come out and like fight and be like cohesively a unit uh, on like on the defensive end, especially and like that that just like hasn't been the case over like the last like five or so games. And it's, it's really apparent and it's imminently frustrating. It's like, I don't, I don't know how you fix it exactly either, which is like a real problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kelly Olenek comes back in like, you know, three weeks maybe, but even that is just like not Kelly Olenek's not going to solve like every problem this team has. No, not even close. And I mean, he's, you know, Casey is clearly looking for every button he has to push, right? Like you call up Saban Lee, maybe his energy gives you a shot in the arm. You throw Luca Garza out there a couple different times, hoping he can just be, you know, with his activity, sort of stir guys up. You're going to, as you mentioned, Rodney Magruder, right? Like literally the last guy on the bench. And uh, look, he, he just doesn't have a whole lot of options. I, I'm not sure there's a real winning combo that he has available to him. It's just going to have to be one of those nights. Everything's going to have to go right. Sooner or later, it will. Um, man, I really hope it's sooner or less. I hope we're not talking in 2022 and still <laughs> talking about a losing streak because that feels like it could it could really be a thing that happens. That, that definitely does feel like a scary, scary possibility. But there are, there are bright things going on, right? Like Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham continues to be perhaps the most important part of uh, this Pistons rebuild, and he is only getting better, Ben. Um, you know, it was fortunate to me that he finished the Houston game. The broadcast team, like, mentioned a foot injury thing. Like, he obviously, like, he went to the locker room and came back, finished the game. I didn't see any play in particular in which it looked like he, like, hurt the foot. But, uh, yeah, he also managed to finish with, like, 21 seven rebounds and 11 assists. So, like, yeah, he had a, he had a pretty good night. Uh, I know – Something that I've noticed is that he's been looking to get into the paint a little bit more. I know that's something that you talked about earlier as an area of concern. So I just want to read you his numbers for the month of December, Ben. In December, Cade Cunningham is averaging 21.5 points a game, uh, 5.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 4 turnovers, which is is bad. That's not good. But he's doing so on 44% from the floor. 46% 46% from three and 81% from the line, two and a half ish free throw attempts a game. Ben, what, what about that slash line? What about any of those numbers stand out to you? So I love how, how versatile and how complete he is as a rookie. Now that the three pointer is falling a little bit, I think, you know, it, it really underscores the versatility that his game has offensively. Um, I, I think his shot, selection continues to improve incrementally week over week. Um, You know, he's still taking a lot of threes, but I I feel like his threes continue to be in rhythm. Um, But I agree with you, Laz. I think he is looking to get to the basket a little bit more. 
Uh, he's had some really nice finishes, especially this week. Um, even finished a, a nice reverse dunk in transition, which was kind of fun to see. But look, he's doing everything, right? Like assists, rebounds, scoring. He, he's literally doing everything. Um, the turnovers, Laz, are the thing that obviously concerns me, but they feel like the mo- they continue to feel like the most fixable thing in his game. Like, you know, I'm thinking of the Houston game. There are two turnovers in particular that were just like, just just silly plays that a year from now he's just not going to make. Right? He gets himself into the air, and you know, maybe his instincts from high school and college uh, are, are taking over there. And in those scenarios, that's not going to be a problem because he can just jump over everybody, look over everybody, reach around anyone and deliver the ball where it's got to be. In the pros, it's just not that simple. So uh, I think those turnovers are going to come down in time. And look, what 21-5-2, and two, right? Like if that's what we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, an impact player, obviously, right? With uh, all-star level sort of stats, which is, which is really crazy to say, Laz, because, you know, I've probably been a little more skeptical than a lot of people. And I think it's probably... 13 years of Pistons basketball just <laughs> forcing me to not like get my hopes up. But look, we're, we're clearly seeing some very, very real stuff in his game over the last week or two. And it's been, it's really been, it's been a lot of fun to watch one of the very few things uh, to be excited about. Absolutely. The thing that stands out the most to me is the scoring actually, because mm-hmm. 21 points a game like uh over the last six games and i think he's averaging more than 20 points even even a longer time horizon than that um if i remember correctly off the top of my head the the last couple of rookies to average 20 points a game were it was anthony edwards zion luca and then like before that it was like all the way back to like kevin durant or something like that right it's it's not every day that we see a rookie average uh, 20 points a game for the entire season. Like obviously Cade is not averaging 20 points a game for the entire season right now, but it does look like he could definitely pull that off. If, uh, if uh, like the seasons continues to go like the way it has. And so like, uh, and the Pistons desperately need that offensive threat. Like we've looked forever for like this 20 point per game guy. And it, it really seems like the Pistons finally have one in Cade Cunningham. Oh, and, and like you mentioned, always a good rebounder, always a good defensive player, always a plus-plus playmaker. Like, oh, yes, the turnovers will fall in time. It's just like this is a very, very special dude um, that the Pistons finally have their hands on, and um, I'm just I'm just glad we get to, like, finally watch him every night. Well, and I, I've actually really enjoyed Laz. I mean, I feel bad for Jeremy Grant and his injury. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but what I do think we've seen a little bit, at least on offense, is some clarity right? Like there's just absolutely no doubt about who should have the ball in his hands and and what should be happening. Now the outcome obviously is a little less potent than it'd be with a guy like Jeremy Grant on the floor. Um, But look, just the clarity that I think we've seen offensively from Cade and and his role, just stepping into being the guy has really been apparent. And I I think you look at 20 years old, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like you mentioned for him to be able to just step in and score 21 points a game, is it is it effortless? I mean, is that fair? I mean, I, I feel like at times it is. Like, it just doesn't look hard for him, right? The situation never looks like it's too big for him, which is extraordinarily impressive. 
Yeah, it. I don't know if it's an effortless twenty points a game, but it does feel like a very low, uh, like a very relaxed twenty points a game, right? It does not. Yeah, it looks like he's 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 a competitor and he's competing every night, but it does not look like it's taking him, you know, everything that he has to score the twenty points a game per night. And so, like, yeah, I'm with you on that a hundred percent. The next guy I wanted to talk about Ben was Sadiq Bay. Uh, Sadiq Bay had a breakout week, uh, which is very fortunate for this Pistons team. He had 21 in the first half of the Indiana game, finished with 23 point, or 28 points the rest of the way. Uh, followed, followed that up with 23 points on 16 shots against Houston. I, I know it's only two games, Ben, but uh, is Sadiq back? Man, I hope so. It's interesting that his breakout game sort of came off of that four-day rest. I've wondered a lot about just his legs and progressive fatigue Interesting to me that, you know, he gets four days rest and kind of comes out and plays like the old Sadiq. Last, I, you know, after he posted two really good games, I was curious to hear your perspective. You know, was this just as simple as the ball going through the rim for Sadiq? Or I don't know. I didn't necessarily notice anything different that he did. But I was really curious. Did you see anything different in the way that he played or like just shots going in? What was your take on that? I'm happy Sadiq is starting to break out of his slump, especially from from uh, from distance, right? Um, like that that I think is the thing that like we we need in the offense, regardless of um, like however much they're trying to stretch Sadiq's game. Like he still needs to be able to knock down like three of seven from three, like he did against Houston. And so you know having having that guy back makes everything else in the offense kind of work a little bit better. You, you talked about this a little bit, right, with Jeremy Grant's injury and the, uh, you know, the 20 points a game and the usage that's kind of available for anybody to take advantage of right now. You know, without Jeremy Grant, some of these Sadiq uh, Bay like, isolation plays don't look nearly as bad, right? Like, you, you need somebody to be able to do that. He's had a couple nice dunks out of uh, isolation plays in, in the last two games, and that's been good to see. And so, like, yeah, it's just... Uh, <laughs> It's it's good to see Sadiq like uh, find some or uh, regain some of the rhythm that he uh, that he had in his uh, his first year, um, and the Pistons are going to need that if they're going to eventually like win a game, right? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Ben. Uh, The next thing I wanted to talk about was the defense. The defense has been not great over the last couple of uh, weeks. Um, they've tried a bunch of different things, like schematically. Uh, they tried to switch. They tried hedging. They tried, like, trapping. They, they threw out a press against the Indiana Pacers <laughs> for, like, the first quarter. It's like, I, I didn't mind it. I liked the energy. But, like, you know, you, you can't sustain that for four quarters against an NBA team. Um, that said, they've tried a lot of things, and none of it's worked. They're giving up an average of 111 points per game over the last 15 games. First, it was the offense, Ben. Now it's the defense. What buttons does Dwayne Casey have left to push? <laughs> yeah, man, I feel like I got what I asked for here, which was uh, don't worry about the defense so much, and then they they didn't. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, Jeremy Grant, probably more important to defense than I have given him credit for. Um, you know, he, he does sort of play really smart off the ball, right? He, he does a lot of things off the ball that I think, look, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. I didn't appreciate it enough. I, I was too hard on him. Um, and, and that, that's clearly missing. Uh, they're very clearly undersized right now. Um, I continue to watch uh, defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding. Uh, there have been some really rough rebounding performances. If you go check out the box scores, uh, you can see that. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know that there's a whole lot of buttons here to push. You're limited to the healthy guys on your roster. And uh, unfortunately, that's just not a defensive powerhouse. There's, there's not a lot, not a lot there. Um, you know, interestingly, we saw Rodney Magruder get ahead of Josh Jackson in the rotation. Um, Josh is obviously a superior defensive player. Um, so you're making some trade-offs, even if, you know, they're not huge differences, they're differences that get felt. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they just need one game where everything works, right? Um, right now they get some offense going, uh, but the defense falls apart and, and they're getting run out of the gym by teams that you just absolutely don't want to be getting run out of the gym by. So I, I don't know, man, I don't think, I don't think there's a good solution here. Um, they're just, they're just going to have to continue to play hard and, and hope that, like I said, something, something clips clicks on any given night. Yeah. The, the bench in particular has just been like bad defensively in a way that I was not like fully prepared for. It's like no one ever prepares you for the Trey Lyles at center experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But then like to have that be the, not like a a look you give, but like a, a consistent lineup that you are forced to go to like that is, that is just like not been good defensively. And you can tell it's instilling like, a sense of panic in in the other perimeter players that like they have zero rim protection to to think about and it's caused some scrambles and uh, it's caused some gambles on defense. There, I've seen a lot more gambling from guys uh, in the front court uh, than like we've been used to, and that's you know triggering triggering rotations that are causing problems on the back end. And it's just like yeah, the, the defense is very much kind of a mess right now. But I when I looked this up a bit, I was actually surprised. The Pistons are not the worst in the league defensively during this losing streak they're not even the worst in net rating during this losing streak and so it's like hey you know they they haven't been the worst team in the league uh on those ends of the floor they've just been like bad enough to lose every single night for 14 consecutive nights so I, I, I guess that's good i guess that's something <laughs> positive to talk about yeah. but yeah it's been uh it's been uh, it's been bad it's been bad to think about and talk about and and, and bad to watch more than anything else all right, Ben. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about was Saban Lee. Saban Lee has entered the rotation, rotation over Corey Joseph. This is cause for a celebration, exclamation mark, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, if nothing else, Laz, like the thing about Saban is he is going to go as hard as he possibly can. He's going to try to get <laughs> put back dunks, right? When he's flying in from eight feet away from the rim and trying to put a tip back dunk in. Like he gives you something to be at least excited about and interested in when he's playing, which I feel like is the polar opposite of Corey Joseph. Like again, Corey Joseph, perfectly competent backup NBA point guard, but entirely predictable and boring. Just so boring. 
Uh, Saban Lee, not always the most productive player, but at least fun to watch. At least he plays hard. Uh, when he's out there, you know he's going to try to do something. And I don't know, maybe there's a there there with Saban. I, I still am intrigued by him. I want to see more of him. Um, you know, I want to know if he can be a, a backup NBA guard. I'm really interested to see if he can do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm certainly excited about that. Hopefully this sticks for a while because I've been having fun watching him. Uh, Saban Lee. Saban Lee. Um, I've been pleased that Saban Lee is playing. Uh, pleased that Corey Joseph is not playing. Uh, just a lot of wonderful emotions associated with Saban Lee. I do wish uh, he was a little bit more consistent. But like that is gonna happen. Like that, the whole reason you play Saban Lee is to have the volatility over like the consistency of the veteran. And so it's like I can't get mad at Saban when he scores like four points, right? And doesn't really do much like he did against the the Houston Rockets. Um, I think it's been interesting the the lineups they've chosen to deploy like with him. Um, we saw like a Cade, Killian, Saban uh, lineup against Houston. Like that was interesting. I don't. Um, you know, I'm sure like he's used to having the ball in the G League, right? He's he's been performing really well with the ball in his hands at that level. I, I assume he would um, want a, to do like a little bit more of that structured like attack uh, in the pros as well. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's an unequivocal good that uh, that Saban's playing over Corey Joseph. Uh, the other rotation chains we've seen this week, I'm not so sure, is an unequivocal good. Ben uh, Rodney Magruder is in the rotation over Josh Jackson. Uh, is this cause for celebration question mark? <laughs> I feel like this is just Dwayne Casey trying literally anything to, to catch a win. Um, you know, Josh has fallen out of grace. I, I sort of understand it because offensively he can be so feast and famine. So mm-hmm. maybe you're just trying to get a shot in the arm with a guy like Rodney Magruder, who can also be a bit of a spark plug, I think offensively, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just see it as Casey trying to do something to get off the snide. No, absolutely. I, I just, it's like I, I wish Rodney Magruder was like a tiny bit better, right? Like I actually <laughs> remember when he was a valuable contributing rotation player for the Miami Heat, well, like three, four years ago at this yeah. point. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like that guy, right? Like that guy was actually pretty good. The current version, not so much. Um, don't really feel one way or another about it um i am sure that like when when if when and if the wins like ever start coming uh rodney magruder will not necessarily be a huge part of this team um this could even be a potential like display of magruder for uh future trade partners across the nba like hey we have you know this experienced veteran player like would you like to come take him off our hands and so um, you know, there's a lot of different elements to this, but yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch uh, Magruder enter the re-enter the rotation uh, so far. Uh, speaking of trade rumors, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is getting trade rumors this week, despite the news that uh, he had surgery this week to uh, to resolve the uh, UCL tear in his thumb. Uh, he will be reevaluated in six weeks, but that has not stopped the rumor mill. Ben, I know we've discussed whether or not it's a good idea for Jeremy to be traded, but do the reports make you feel like it's more likely that Jeremy Grant is traded? Yeah, I mean, gosh, to, to have him have to get surgery is obviously a bad scenario for him. It's bad for the team. Uh, it could be bad for trades too, right? I mean, I think if you're if you're a team looking to add Jeremy Grant, you're a team that's looking to add some sort of additional weapon and or depth 
for the purposes of making a playoff run, right? So maybe you're not terribly concerned about that six-week timeline because, um, you know, you're probably thinking you have enough to get you to the playoffs and and you're looking to obviously add a weapon uh, during crunch time at the end of the season when it really matters. So um, maybe that's not too much of a cause for concern for some potential trade partners. But, uh, you know, Sean uh, from DBB had an interesting article this week where he proposed, uh, you know, a whole bunch of trades for with a whole bunch of teams. And I think the thing that gets tricky is, I mean, I, I think trading Jeremy Grant at some point makes sense because I don't think paying him in a year and a half makes sense. So I think you probably want to try to get him, uh, try to get something rather than nothing. But it's, it's hard. Like, it's it's hard to find a trade that makes sense right now even before the injury happens, uh, you know, so does it make more or less likely? I guess I lean toward less likely, at least in the short term. Um, Cause I don't know. I just don't, I haven't seen the trade that really makes me think, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense for both sides yet. That is a great point about the, the formulation of a Jeremy Grant trade that makes sense for both sides. I also have not seen uh, a, trade that does a great job of that uh we had on the site 30 different teams uh, we had all at the uh, 29 nba teams like trading for jeremy grant we had what 29 trades for jeremy grant i i didn't love too many of those which just like shows the the formulation of like how tricky it is to fit a piece like jeremy grant uh in across the nba with uh something that the the pistons would want for now and in the future um, but I, I do feel like there is a lot of, uh, I feel like there's some fire behind all this smoke. Um, I don't know if the Pistons are like actively shopping Jeremy Grant, but it does kind of seem like, uh, they're, they're looking at the 14 game losing streak, right? They're looking at how good Kate is and, uh, it doesn't make, it's like, uh, it, it makes sense for Jeremy Grant to be on this team, but it, uh, is like if you can find a good package for him, right? If somebody is willing to offer you something uh, beyond what you're like normally expecting for a player of Jeremy Grant's caliber, it's like uh, you absolutely have to think it. You have you, you absolutely have to uh, you know be willing to be receptive to those type of trade calls. Um, and from what the reports have said, right, the Pistons are listening, right? The Pistons are not shopping Jeremy Grant. I feel like there there is a difference. It's a it's a small one, but I feel like mm-hmm. there is a difference between those two things. So there is there is that, um, yeah. I I don't I don't I don't know if we see a Jeremy Grant trade. I'm you know before I was like you know eighty twenty that we wouldn't. Now there's you know multiple reports. It, it feels way more like fifty fifty than it did you know even before That's the hand interesting, injury. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't expect to be saying this on the podcast this season. Mm-hmm. So this is it's a stunning reversal of fortune. <laughs> All right, Ben, uh, a little, something a little bit more somber. The Pistons missed a game this week because another team, the Chicago Bulls, had too many cases of COVID uh, and the NBA postponed the game. It You are seeing a lot more NBA players enter COVID protocols recently. Uh, fortunately, or yeah, fortunately, the Pistons have not had anything like that so far, but it is beginning to feel like it's only a matter of time with that. Uh, ben, it, it doesn't seem like the NBA is going to freeze the season or, or take a two-week break or anything like that. Should they? Man, what a hard question. I mean, 
Should they? They're not gonna, in my opinion. I think there's too much money on the table. Um, we'll probably see some postponements um, more than what we've seen so far because, I mean, there are numerous teams right now. Like, do they even have enough guys to field a roster for a game? Uh, you know, Bulls didn't. Pistons, Bulls game gets postponed. You know, you could freeze the season, Laz, and, you know, if it were just about getting everybody healthy and getting the season back on track, then I think you could potentially say, hey, let's hit the pause button for two weeks. But then also, you'd also have to do some sort of, like, mandatory quarantine or something, right? Like, to isolate players from people outside of their household or whatever. And I just don't, I don't know, I just can't see there being much of an appetite for that uh, from the players, from the players' union, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, the fortunate thing that we've seen, Laz, among the NBA players is uh, very, very few instances of any serious illness. I mean, I think I remember reading about uh, Christian Wood's recovery. I remember reading, I think it was um, was Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I can't remember which of those two guys from the Celtics has talked about having some um, long-term issues as a result of contracting COVID. Um, the, the, again, the fortunate thing is that we've just seen very, very little severe illness, right, uh, in the NBA and professional sports generally. So it seems super, super unlikely to me that we're going to see anything like that. I, I really hope, Laz, that um, by the time we get to the NBA playoffs, which is my absolute favorite sporting event in the world, um, that, that guys are able to figure out some routines to minimize their exposure because... I mean, what if this were to happen in a seven-game playoff series, Laz? Like, you know, you look at the the Nets or the Bulls, two teams expected to be pretty competitive in the East uh, when we get to the playoffs. Seven, eight, nine of those guys out at any given time. Man, that could really be devastating, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. If it were to happen, it'd have to be so strict that I just I feel like the players just wouldn't have any appetite for it. I don't know, man. It's not... It's not an easy answer, and this is not going to be the last time we ask this question. I think this season, next season, maybe into the future. So uh, it's hard. No good answers here. Yeah, I, I think the thing that gets me is that it's what you were talking about with quarantining, them, quarantining the players, right? It's like we could, even if you pause the season for two weeks, unless guys are you know hermetically sealed uh, away from you know anything beyond like the barest of bones of family. It's like you, you just don't know. Right. And like, yes, I realize that like travel, uh, it makes you encounter a whole lot of different people. Um, but like, it, it's just, it's just not, it's just not a good site. I think one big thing that has been nice to see is that because most of the players are vaccinated, um, I like that has helped with a lot of those, uh, a lot of them being like asymptomatic, um, it was Tatum who was talked about like using an inhaler and stuff after his yeah. bout with COVID. Yeah. And uh, we haven't heard any reports like that so far. Like that's not to say that, um, you know, everyone is asymptomatic. I believe like Joel Embiid was having symptoms. I believe like uh, there, there were a couple other players I remember as being uh, uh, like slightly symptomatic, but those reports are notable because they are the exception, right? Like most guys are sick with COVID, but, uh, you know, asymptomatic and, and feel fine and are able to bounce back quickly, which is a blessing, right? Like, which is the good and like, that's the entire point of the vaccines. But at the same time, like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good, like morally 
to have just uh, kind of this industry keep on chugging while its entire labor force continues to get sick. Um, and like you could say that about a lot of different labor forces, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. th- this is the one we talk about. So it's just it's it's not, there's not really a whole lot uh, for us to do, but it is just kind of it's it's just very like awe inspiring to or not or like not awe inspiring. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm I'm like mystified that like we haven't like figured this out by now, right? Like it's just it's just very frustrating to to go through. All right, Ben, the Pistons play Miami in 20-ish minutes. Then they play the Knicks on Tuesday. And then they play uh, in Miami again on Thursday. And then they have San Antonio on Sunday. Any of those games looking like a good time to break the streak? Oof. Uh, man, I don't know if I like any of those. I don't. Well, <laughs> I don't know if like any matchup against any team right now. Pistons are yeah, 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 yeah. De- dead last. <laughs> uh, man. I don't know, buddy. I, I feel like definitely not Miami, right? Like, I don't think either of those games are good. Maybe the Spurs. I don't know, man. I haven't watched the Spurs. I i don't know. I don't know if I love that roster very much. Maybe maybe the Spurs, but I don't, I don't like the Knicks either. I feel like the Knicks could potentially feast. Um, yeah, on the interior the especially. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't like the odds. No, me, me neither. Uh, perhaps that uh, San Antonio game, maybe. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's looking like a rough week. I, you know, I really would love to be wrong. I would really love to not be talking about this in the 2022. But uh, yeah, we're we're not gonna have a podcast next week. Next week is Christmas. <laughs> Everybody enjoy your Christmas break. So yeah, I'm like maybe Ben will come back in two weeks and we'll be talking about the 20 game losing streak. And like that's fine. We just got just gotta Yikes. live with that. Yikes. Yeah. Oof. Oh my goodness. Oh, you know, maybe they'll surprise us against Miami who tonight, right? Like yeah. who knows? Anything's, Anything's possible, possible, man. I mean, it's still the thing is it's still the NBA, right? Like all of these guys are incredibly talented even when they're losing. So it just takes one good night for everything to go right. Absolutely. All right, Ben. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh what you've been working on this season. Uh yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter. Um, over the holiday break in particular, I plan to watch a whole lot of basketball. Christmas Day is one of my favorite days of the year for lots of reasons, but particularly because there's always good basketball on. So at uh, BR Galker on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we can commiserate or live in misery. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> either way. We'll, have, we'll try to make the best of it no matter what happens, I guess. Uh, amen to that. Christmas is also one of my favorite times of the year, and it is definitely because of all the basketball. In between all the food, the basketball, oh, that's 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 the best. Uh, you can follow me and my Christmas adventures on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. All right, everyone. This has been this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the new year. Talk to you later. Bye bye.